Well, good morning, Grace Chapel. Good to be here again. Uh, My name is Tom Van Antwerp. I'm the Wilmington Campus Pastor, and uh, they have extended my preaching contract for another week. So I'm back with you. Uh, It's good to be here. Thank you, thank you. Well, this week, the journey is really underway. During the season of Lent that we're entering into, we're committing ourselves to a deliberate way of living together. Um, We want to live in a way that demonstrates God's heart to the people that we live with, that we work with, and that we play with. We want to live, we're saying, to bless others, quite simply put. Now, over the next five weeks, we're going to be exploring, in the midst of this season and this journey, we're going to be exploring five practices, some new practices, probably not new to all of you, or, uh, but, but certainly practices that we're going to be leaning into for this next several weeks. The season of Lent is a wonderful time to do this sort of thing. Lent isn't only a time to, to be reflective and let go of things. It's also a time to be reflective and step into some new things together. And I believe these practices are actually going to require something of us in order to get the desired outcome. I wonder if you've uh, heard of the relatively recent clothing trend. It's called athleisure wear. Athleisure wear, right? Now, it's a style that's designed to look like athletic wear, but it's intended to be worn outside of the gym, in the work, and and, uh, in your neighborhood, and so on. Um, One person explained it this way. They said it's a style of clothing meant to look athletic, but with no inherent athletic function. Now, apparently, being athletic is attractive and desirable, um, but for many of us, the problem with it is that it actually requires us to be athletic and to some physical exertion. You have to work out, or you have to train, or you have to run, or you have to go to the gym. The good news for all of us is that there's a solution for all that. Athleisure wear gives you all the benefits of looking athletic, while at the same time not actually requiring anything of you and nothing of yourself. The fact is, this is what we all want in so many aspects of life, isn't it? We want the benefits without the exertion. We want the rewards without the discipline. But the fact is, there's no way to get a healthy heart unless you exercise your body. And the same is true of the life in the spirit. If you want your life to reflect the heart of God, then you've got to take on some practices that lead you to that place. And if you want your heart, if you want God's heart to be your heart, then you've got to lean into these things. So that's what we're going to be doing for the next five weeks. Now behind me, you'll notice the word bless. And as I shared last week, this word actually is acting as an acronym for the five practices that we're going to explore together on Sunday, but we're also going to experience in small groups as we make our way through this journey. So the practices are B, begin with prayer. L, listen with care. E is eat together. And on that Sunday, we're actually going to share in the Lord's Supper. We're going to share communion together. We've postponed it for a couple of weeks. And then S, that first S is serve in love And then the final movement, the final S, is share your story. 
Now, throughout this series, also, we're going to be looking to the life of Jesus. He is the master at all these things. We are his apprentices. We're going to see how he employs these practices in his own life, and we're going to see what that might mean for us. So this week, we're going to discover that the journey begins with prayer. Now, I can imagine that for many of you, um, this first practice in our series being prayer seems a little predictable. Uh, I mean, this is church. I'm a pastor. This is a sermon where we're calling you to spiritual disciplines. Of course, I'm going to be calling you to engage in prayer. Uh, But the fact is, I know how as important as we know it is to practice prayer and as central as it is to our life and relationship with God, I know that it's so easy for us to find ourselves out of rhythms of prayer in our life. And it happens for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, Some might say that I don't know how to pray. Maybe you're new to this life with God. Maybe no one has ever taught you what it means to pray, has shown you what it looks like and guided you through some steps. I hope this series can be a good one for you as you take on this new practice. Some of you might say that I've tried this prayer thing and it doesn't seem to be working. Um, Maybe you're here and you've prayed desperate prayers for something or for someone time and time again. And that thing that you've prayed for hasn't happened. No healing. No child. No no relationship. No reconciliation. We've all been here at this place. Every one of us have been to a place where we felt like our prayers have gone unanswered. Or maybe you're saying, my life is just too hectic. I don't have time to pray. Now, I get this one too. Because... For many of us, we're in this very busy season of life where we've got crazy things going on. Busy kids, early mornings, late nights, long hours, hard work, schedules and things to take care of at home. And we just feel like, where are we possibly going to find time to pray? And so all this to say that there are a lot of reasons why we get out of our practices of prayer. Now, it could be that you're here and we're talking about these things and you're starting to feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe you're feeling like you feel when you go to see your doctor for your annual physical. And you sit down with the doc and he or she starts to go through the numbers. You know, your weight is up a little bit. Your cholesterol levels are rising. Your blood pressure isn't what it should be. And after they share with you all the numbers, then they look at you over the screen and and they ask you a simple question. So, have you been exercising? (laughs) And you're thinking... Have I been exercising? Like, you just showed me all the numbers. You feel a little exposed, actually, in that moment. Uh, Not that you haven't been already wearing that little uh, paper-thin gown in front of the doctor. But you feel like you're called onto the carpet. Like, really, we're going to go here? You're going to ask me if I'm exercising? Of course I'm not exercising. Uh, Well, if you're feeling this way this morning about prayer as we start talking about it, I promise you that you are not alone. But man, I hope over the next several weeks, this time gives you an opportunity to rekindle and recapture a desire for prayer and to step back in and to to go again with God, to discover or reinvigorate or deepen your times of prayer. Because the fact is, if we are going to live to bless others, it has to begin with prayer. So let's make our way into it. What exactly is prayer? And what do we learn from Jesus about this this practice? 
Well, the first thing that we learn is that prayer is being away from people to be present with God. Prayer is getting away from people to be present with God. When the Gospels tell us the story of Jesus, it shows us in his life this very consistent, regular pattern. Jesus spends a lot of time with people. Most of the stories we read about Jesus, he is, he is with people. He's teaching them or leading them or walking down the road with them or sitting and eating with them. Gatherings of, of large groups by the thousands he's with people and then pulling away with smaller groups as well. So Jesus is always with people. He loves people. But inserted into his times of activity and engagement come these times when Jesus pulls himself away from people and gets himself alone so that he can be with, with God. The people who are closest to Jesus record this very thing. Mark says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus would get up. He'd leave the house. He went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Matthew recounts the time that Jesus fed the 5,000 on the hillside. And right after that, he gathers with his small group of disciples. And then he dismissed his disciples. And he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there all alone. Luke tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It's really interesting because when we make our way through the experience of, of the next several weeks, we're really calling ourselves to a meaningful engagement with people, to demonstrate God's heart to the people around us. And so it's really about engagement with people, but it begins and it has to begin by a disengagement, by pulling away from people so that we can be present with God, finding a solitary place and a place where we can be alone with God. I wonder when I say that, if there's a place in your life, in your house, outdoors, somewhere that comes to mind for you, do you have a solitary place? Do you have a place where you get alone with God? My wife, Julie, loves this little spot in our home. It's in our bedroom. This is the spot that she loves to go and be with God. Thursdays and Fridays, often she has a little bit more time in the morning. And those are the days when she'll start her day, often sitting, reading the scriptures, hearing from God and praying. And on Fridays, some days when I have the day off as well, we'll sit here together and we'll catch up. We'll read scripture and we'll pray together. You know, as I'm thinking about this place, I was wondering about what that place looks like for all of you. I actually asked our staff if they had a place that they go to to get away. And I asked them to send in pictures. And so the pictures that you're seeing are pictures of Grace Chapel staff folk and where they go to be alone with God. And many of them are routine places that are in or around the home. And then some of them send in places that are places where they get away to uh, during a sort of seasonally, often in the summer, to, re to be refreshed. And lots of these places are outdoors. How many of you are looking forward to some outdoor time to be with God and to get away? And then a few of the pictures that came back had a common theme, uh, mostly, uh, from <laughs> mostly from parents who have young kids. It's this picture that some of our staff turn their commute time 
into a time to commune with God. Because for some, this is the, this is the best extended alone time that they have. How many of you can agree with that? How about taking advantage of that extended time alone? Brian sent me in a pic of his uh, prayer chair while he's on sabbatical. <laughs> Pray for this man, I'm telling you. No, I'm just kidding. That is not what he sent. I've left him alone. So, But I want to encourage all of us to find a place to get away and pray during these next five weeks. Now, it's interesting because we're not just drawing away to be alone. We're drawing away to be present with God. Now, Jesus' prayers would be a great resource, wouldn't it, to hear what it's like when he prays to the Father. What we know is that he did this a lot. But what's interesting is we don't have a lot of prayers recorded in the scriptures. Can you tell me why? Because he was alone, of course. The disciples weren't there for most of the times that he spent praying with, uh, to, to his father. But what we do see when we do see the prayers that are recorded is that, is that this, it's this beautiful time of relationship and intimacy between Jesus and his father. Uh, Jesus doesn't come to God with a list of things that he wants from him and sort of pound it out one bullet at a time. Jesus gets with his father to be in relationship with him. In his book on prayer, Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, we shouldn't see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. Imagine times with God being like that, where we get more of God, not just the things that we want from him. And of course, Jesus cultivated this relationship with God also. But in the midst of his prayers, of his prayer life, we also find Jesus sort of aligning his life to God's heart. You often hear Jesus praying for the things that are on God's heart. And oftentimes it's praying for people and for God's purposes to be done in the world around him. And so Jesus isn't praying personal prayers for himself. He's actually often asking God to shape his heart, that he might live and long for the things that God wants. One of my daughters is a big-time snuggler, and I love it. Abby loves to, when I'm sitting on the couch or in a chair, she loves to climb up and sit in my lap. And one time recently, she was doing that, and she, she had her chest leaned in close, uh, her head leaning close to my chest. And uh, she said, what's that noise? And I said, what noise? And she said, that bump. And I realized it was my heartbeat that she was hearing. And the reason she could hear it is because we were alone in quiet and we were close to one another. In that moment, this young girl could hear the heart of her father. I believe this is exactly what times alone can be like for us with God. That when we get alone and away from people and with God, we're close enough to begin to hear his heart. And if blessing others is about demonstrating God's heart to people around us, then we need to get close enough to God to hear how his heart beats. And so prayer is being away from people to be present with God. Secondly, we find that prayer is being present with God so that we can be more present with people. 
Prayer is about being present with God so we can be actually more present with people. And so what we see in Jesus' rhythms is that he'll often pull away and spend these solitary times with his Father. But then he pivots as he makes his way out of his times of prayer to be with others. After he spent time with God, attuning his heart to God's heart, he moves towards people. Now why is that? It's because God's heart is a heart that is for others. After the early morning prayer that Mark reminds us of and shares with us about, he then goes on to say that Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, driving out demons. So Jesus moves out of his time with his father to intentionally make his way towards people around him. And when he does this, he is very present with those that he comes in contact with, and he sees them with eyes that now are the eyes of God. Jesus, when he looks out at a crowd of people, doesn't just see a massive crowd of unknown faces. He sees a community of people who are, who are hurting and he has compassion on them. He knows that they are, they're living their lives in, diff, in, in, in different ways than God intended them and that they're in need of a shepherd and a leader. Jesus looks and he sees a tax collector, Levi, sitting in his tax booth, somebody that I'm sure was despised by everybody who made their way in and had to pay him the tax on their way to the gate. But Jesus sees him, and he loves him, and he sees his true value. He sees a woman who's out at a well in the middle of the day, and he looks past her past to see who she really is, human being created with dignity and value that she doesn't even understand yet. Jesus sees his followers as flawed as they are with, with full potential to become the people that God's created them to be. Jesus sees children. He doesn't just look over the heads of children like a lot of people did, but he would, he would invite them to come and to be present with him. So Jesus' prayer made him more present to the people around him. And prayer makes us present to people and present to, to the world that is in a way that's informed by God's heart. And what happens is then when we pray, we pray in a different way. And when we move from prayer, we move and operate among people in an entirely different way. It's like a whole world opens up to us. Now, I'm not a car guy, but uh, I've had the experience. My Saab, uh, my 20-year-old black Saab, 200,000 miles, um, beautiful car, went on to her final resting place some time ago. Let's take a moment. And as I was looking for a new car, um, most of the time I look around, I just see cars. But when I was looking for a new car, you have to differentiate, right? You have to find the car that you want. And, and my eye was turned towards the Mazda 3 five-door, the hatchback. Uh, zoom, zoom, anyone? Mm. So suddenly, when I get this car, I bought the car, and now I'm driving around on the road, and suddenly I'm seeing the road in an entirely different way. I see Mazda 3 hatchbacks all the time now. 
Never saw them before, but my eyes were open to them. It's what happens when you bring your mind to something. You see things in a way that you hadn't seen before. Uh, You're present in a way that you, you hadn't been before. And what I hope happens to all of us in the next several weeks is that when we we spend time with God that he opens our eyes to be more present to the people around us, to begin to see who it is that God wants us to see in the moments of our days. This week, we are giving each of you a little bookmark. And on the front of the bookmark is just a reminder of our five practices through this series. But it's the back of the bookmark that's really important. Turn turn the bookmark to the back. You just see open space, right? Right? Nothing's there. It is in this open space, it's this open space that I want you to bring, that I want us to bring as we spend our time with God. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask God to direct our thoughts, our minds, and our hearts towards someone or some ones or a group of people that he might be calling us to or a particular problem in the world that he wants us to help solve. And so as we are with that open space in prayer, we ask God to to bring to our hearts and minds and thoughts throughout the day who it is that he might be calling us to love and to demonstrate his heart to. And so this open space gets filled by a name or a person Maybe God will lead you back to your neighborhood map that we've done over the years in the past to look and see who's living around you or to the map of your dorm floor, your apartment complex. Maybe God is going to lead you to think about someone in your office that you come across. Maybe it's a group of people that you've never thought that you would be connected to at all that he leads you to. But then as you go through your day after you spend time with this open space, And in prayer with God, you start living your life like you're on a treasure hunt. And you come back day after day saying, who is it, God, that you're calling me to? You see, prayer is being present. Uh, Prayer is being, uh, getting away from people to be present with God. It's being present with God so that you can be present with people. But finally, prayer allows God to be present to people through us. Prayer allows God to be present to people through us. Now, I want to be clear right from the very start of this third movement is that God is already present everywhere in the world. Every cranny and crevice of it, God is there. It's not like we need to show up in order for God to start doing something. Like he's already at work in this world. Henry Blackaby uh, says that our approach to this ought to be that we, we find out what God is working on, and we join with him. We find where God is at work, and we join in with him. But at the same time, there is this sense that God calls us when we join with him then to be, to be a conduit through which God does do his work. This is the beautiful result of being a prayer. It leads to us being present with people and allowing, to, allowing God to be present through us. Just before Jesus left the earth to return to the Father, he prayed this prayer, and he prayed it about his disciples. He said, I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world, and I'm coming to you. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Then the world will know that you sent me 
and have loved them, even as you have loved me. You see, what Jesus is praying is that his followers would now pick up where he left off, that they would be conduits of God's love, that his love would show through them as they made their way in the world. And the idea is that we are not called just to be containers. A container is like a bucket, right? When you fill a container, the purpose of a container is to hold on to something, to collect it, and to keep it. And of course, the, the container has a certain volume. Once it's full, it's full. God calls his disciples and us to be conduits. A conduit is like a pipe. There is an inlet and there is an outlet. And the important thing about the conduit is not the conduit itself, but it's what it filters and channels through it. It's the resource that it distributes. And Jesus is saying, I want my people. He wants us to be conduits of him and his love and his blessing and his grace. The conduit has no limit to the amount of substance or resource that passes through it. It's unlimited. So God wants us to be conduits of his goodness and love and presence in our world. And it all begins, it all begins with prayer. If we start there, we can find ourselves channeling God's blessing in the places where we go. So prayer is being away from people to be present with God. Prayer is about being present with God so that we can be present really with people. And then prayer is allowing God to be present with people through us. Another simple way to think about it is this. A quiet place and an open space leads us to become a conduit of God's grace. A quiet place. Through this season, we need to find a place where we can be quiet with God, be with the Father in prayer. And in that moment, we need, to find, we need to gather our open space and ask God, where is it, who is it that you'd fill in that space? And then make the movement of willingness to be a conduit of God's grace. These are the movements that we can experience even this week, even in the mornings this week as we spend time with God. Well, as we wrap up today, I just want to give you a few examples for what this can look like when it grows into fruition. What sort of thing is possible when we begin with prayer? Um, asking God to lead us and fill our, white, our, our open space with people and respond as conduits of goodness. I'm going to share three stories, and each of them are stories of folks here at Grace Chapel. These are Grace Chapel stories. The first is the story of a young mom on the North Shore. She sensed God putting on her heart a group of women who lived in her town that she'd gotten to know. It was, it was in her open space, these names of these, women's, of these women. And then she began to grow a vision for, for hosting them at her home, inviting them to come. And then she decided she wanted to create an evening where the women could gather for connection, where they could hear about and support a local non-for-profit that was doing good in the world, and where they could start to see the goodness of God expressed in these ways. So she sent out Evites invitations to all these women, not knowing what would happen. To her surprise, 30 women responded and showed up to her invitation and to this evening. Um, 
And sure enough, the non-for-profit was there that they were hearing about and supporting. And the women in that group, it was a group that was serving uh, vulnerable women and had demonstrated God's love and goodness to them. The women shared their stories. She said there wasn't a dry eye in the room. And then the women gathered together and they made, they put together bags that they sent out to another local uh, shelter for women uh, in crisis. And she said that several of them came up to her afterwards, these women, and said, what can we do next? Started brainstorming. I'd like to host one next time, one of her neighbors said. But it all began with prayer. The second story is a story of a man who's working in a Boston company, a Fortune 100 tech company. And he felt God putting into his open space his colleagues, his coworkers. And he wanted to provide an outlet for support and encouragement and prayer in the middle of a pretty demanding work environment. And so he created this online chat for his whole company. And uh, he established a simple conference call once a week. He didn't know if anybody was going to show up, but he made it available. Um, his idea was simple. Five minutes of introducing yourself if you're new to the group. Um, ten minutes of talking about faith at work issues, issues of integrity and honesty and mission and purpose at work. And then ten minutes for people to begin sharing uh, their prayer requests and then closing with ten minutes of praying. Again, he didn't know if anybody would show up, but he sent out the invitation. And at first, one person, one colleague showed up. He lived in Denver. After a couple of weeks, they started gathering more people who would call in for the uh, chat. And by the time time went on, eventually 52 people were on this chat call in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day on Wednesday, from all over the world. And they started sharing with each other and getting to know each other. At one point, they said, we don't want to be anonymous. We want to see each other. So they turned on their, their webcams. And he said what, what they saw was remarkable. The diversity, he said, was amazing. Um, they had women and men, interns and vice presidents, coworkers in, in finance and legal and engineering and, and marketing and manufacturing and facilities, coworkers from across the United States, from the U.K., from Germany and Australia and China who wanted to join in for this chat. And it all began with prayer for him. The final story is a, is a story of a couple here in Lexington who 35 years ago began asking God to put someone into their open space. They started asking God to put impression on their mind of who it would be that he wanted them to reach out to with, their, with his love. Well, they were asking that very question day in and day out, looking around, seeing the people around them in a whole new way. Maybe it's these folks. Maybe it's somebody here. The wife met five men who were speaking to each other in another language. And she was intrigued. So she went up and said, I, your language is beautiful. Can you tell me what it is, where you're from? They proceeded to tell her that, that they were a group of men who were here studying and working as internationals from a country in Asia. She said, well, have you ever been to, uh, have you ever been to a home of, of an American family? I'd love to have you come. To her surprise, they accepted her invitation. They said they'd never been to a home. They made their way to their house, and this couple hosted them, provided hospitality, and got to know them. It was through this simple encounter that God 
opened their eyes to how many internationals come to the Boston area and never visit a home, but would love to. And over the course of these 35 years, God has used this couple to be conduits of friendship and hospitality and God's grace to literally hundreds of international students and workers. And how did it begin? It began with prayer. It always begins with prayer. And so I wonder about your story and my story. What might God do in and through us in the weeks ahead if we open our hearts and our minds and our lives to the possibility that God will bring into our open space the name of someone or someone, uh, some people, that he might be, allow us to be conduits in their lives of his blessing and his goodness and his grace. I look forward to hearing what these stories are going to be. And as we lean into these practices together, I know that God will be at work. Each one of these people discovered a way to bless others, and we can too. But it all begins with prayer. Where is it that your time alone with God might lead you? Who is it that he might lead you to love and care for and demonstrate God's heart in the weeks ahead? It will begin with prayer. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for these stories and for the reminder that you are beckoning us to yourself. God, in a busy life, in often a life filled with people and activity, God, may you prompt us to respond to the invitation of your spirit to come away, to sit with you, to hear your heart, to be filled with strength and love and to be sent out into this world to bless others. May we live with intentionality and purpose during this season. And may you receive the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.